I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. And then, James, just for um, editing purposes, can you just say your name once and then clap your hands together once? Yeah, my name is James Boyle. Well, uh, I am. Uh, <laughs> you've been starting episodes lately with this, like, oh. with this really abrasive <laughs> sigh. It's because I got a lot. I got a lot going on. You know, my uh, my knees are starting to ache. My my bo- I'm getting old. Oh, it's I'm the getting old. old. It's, it's the old it's, the old man groan. It's just the old man groan. Um, listen, guys, we're gonna be talking about something really uh, interesting today. Uh, are you guys familiar with ITP? No, I'm familiar with ICP. <laughs> Dude, that's what I meant. What did I say? <laughs> uh, you said TV, so it's good to know. Oh, sorry, that you I meant, meant ICP. C. Are you guys familiar with an insane clown posse? I'm a juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for all the juggalos and juggalettes out there this episode. Uh, actually, no, we're talking about ITP. Um, and ITP, I'm going to give this a shot here. Immune thrombocytopenia, which is... Uh, is an illness that is, it's, I mean, I feel like this is like, this, this illness is witchcraft. Um, it's an illness that can lead to like bruising and bleeding and low levels of the cells that help blood clot, also known as platelets, most often causing the bleeding. Um, and once known as idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura, ITP, uh, it can cause these like purple bruises and cause these like tiny reddish purple dots on the skin. And there's not really a cure. I think you can like go into remission. Like you can just like disappear. But I also think that, and, and that there's like ways to treat it so that maybe you go into like a remission. Wouldn't it be super helpful if we could find a person that lives with this condition? <laughs> Well, that would be able to fill us in on all the question marks that are coming out of this description that you're presenting. Thankfully, us with? today we do. <laughs> we have that person with us. Uh, our old friend James, who uh, we met long ago. I mean, the Halifax Pop Explosion days and uh, the podcast, uh, uh, Atlantic Podcast, Atlantic Summit. Podcast Summit. Thank you. Um, uh, I've, I've been running into James on my morning walks while he's walking his dog. And uh, one day, James was like, Hey, Jared. By the way, ever heard of ITP? And I was like, fucking jugglos and jugglets, baby, let's go. And he was like, no, 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 no. ITP. No, no, no. And, uh, and I hadn't. I wasn't aware of it. And I looked into it, and it's fucked up. And James has it. And James, not only is it fucked up, it has been more fucked up every time I run into you on the street. I just get a new explanation of what's going on in your body, and it's fucking wild. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. First of all, give yourself a little introduction let the people know who is James. Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, James Boyle here. I'm in Halifax, and 
basically I've, I've worked a lot in, in different roles right now. I'm actually, uh, I sell software that helps companies with um, uh, information security and privacy compliance, which is a whole other dry topic. You, you probably don't <laughs> want to do, um, but I've also worked a lot in the music industry and I've done a lot of different roles in that. But uh, yeah, so today um talking to you about something that happened this year, actually, and it's been a, a whirlwind uh, up and down of, uh, learning about something I never heard about. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. So, so, okay. So this is like a new thing prior to like getting diagnosed with ITP uh, that like, you know, that name, that illness was not in your vernacular. I take it. I mean, it wasn't, I had no fucking clue. Um, So take us back to, I mean, I guess like like over overall, you know, over the thirty some odd years of being on this planet, um, have you have you have you had a history of like illnesses that have like kind of sprung up over time, or it, like is this just kind of like a just one off thing that came out of fucking nowhere? It's interesting because <clears throat> it's hard to understand how all this stuff aligns, and the doctors are hesitant to even con- connect the dots on it, uh, which is one of these weird things around immuno. Uh, you know, immune disorders, but basically in my mid twenties, early twenties, I was working, <laughs> I was working an outdoor festival and my ankles swelled up the size of like baseballs. And my doctor mm. was like, what's going on? Maybe you sprained both of them, but this is weird. Anyway, they did some blood tests. They're like, your inflammation's through the roof and turned out um, at the same time I was getting psoriasis. And so my rheumatoid factor is zero, which is, also part of this ITP story. I don't really understand what that means, but essentially because my rheumatoid factor is zero, I don't have rheumatoid arthritis. I ended up getting diagnosed with uh, psoriatic arthritis. So if you think about that, that's arthritis. So, you know, inflammation of the joints, sore joints, uh, which your immune system is attacking and you get psoriasis at the same time. And because my rheumatoid factor is zero, they don't call it rheumatoid arthritis. It ends up being psoriatic arthritis, although they can have similar um similar issues so then i went through that and then uh that's been like since i was you know like i said mid-20s maybe early 20s um and then from there it's uh my arthritis is pretty much like died way down like i don't really think about it i don't take medication for it um it's just sort of not there in a lot of ways um and then i my psoriasis is slowly getting worse but then it kind of goes up and down too. So that's been really interesting, but basically you end up with psoriatic arthritis. And so if my, you know, that's, I guess that, that sort of answers the question of kind of the first diagnosis, but I don't see doctors very often, right? Like I've gone a year without seeing a rheumatologist or longer. Who's the doctor that deals with the psoriatic arthritis. And I, you know, relatively outside of that, I, I don't really go to the doctors often. So that's kind of the first issue i dealt with from an immuno immune issue type thing when you get that diagnosis do they say to you like what you can sort of expect in terms of like flare-ups or how it might progress or or present because it's it's it sounds like um uh a bit surprising to me that like you know you go in you present with these like swollen ankles that that sound like not fun to deal with and then also you have psoriasis and so like those two things together are happening at the same time. And like, if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, Oh fuck. Like, is this, you know, is this going to be my new normal? But it just kind of sounds like it just 
just basically went away. Did you do anything to um, try to manage that? That could I think that timeline is pretty condensed in a way that like the psoriasis wasn't bad at that time. So it sort of was hard to even really think much about it. Um, uh, so at that point, it was sort of like, yeah, I got this. I really had pain all over my body. It started with my ankles, but I was just in like really just pain. Um, and so I had to like my doctor, probably rightly so. My family doctor was very, very cautious. So she didn't want to start just giving me random anti-inflammatories or a lot of like heavy painkillers. So I just kind of operated under this stiff pain where I could like walk around and on my chest and every, like everything was just like, oh, I'm so tight and sore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just ended up going to the emergency room one night back in, and I just was like, man, I don't know what's wrong. I'm sore all over. You know, they're not sure what's up. They're testing me right now. Um, and so they just gave me like Celebrex, which is like a lot of people, like my grandmother was on it, you know? So it starts with like that kind of thing. Once I went through Celebrex, then some prednisone for like a week or a month or something, cleared it up kind of enough to then start dealing with it. And then from there, uh, the pain wasn't so bad. It went up and down for a couple of years, learned how to deal with it. I ended up on a couple of different medications, um, pretty standard ones like methotrexate, um, one called Mm, aflonamide. mm -hmm. There was some like pretty standard like, uh, anti-inflammatories that were like the the next level up from Advil kind of thing. But all through that, I just sort of learned over a few years how to manage it. And it wasn't so bad. Once we got on the, the few months into it with the steroids and stuff, it kind of leveled out to a point where, okay, it wasn't affecting my life so much other than I could feel my bones get sore if I was standing for too long or something. Mm. But it wasn't too bad for the mm. last like 10 years. What What is... um. Can you describe psoriasis? I feel like I've heard psoriasis described in a in in a, in a handful of different ways. Um, I've heard of it. I feel like my main association with it is a skin condition, mm. but I feel like it's uh, there's something kind of like tickling the back of my brain telling me that it's quite a bit more than that, or it shows yeah, up in different ways. It's other weird. Than that. So like I've never really understood exactly because I don't really have emphysema but some people mistake like emphysema for psoriasis or psoriasis for like another skin condition like that um or eczema not emphysema (laughs) eczema sorry um so uh you know it's sort of like eczema but at the end of the day um what it is is like similar to the reason why they have a diagnosis called psoriatic arthritis is that it's your autoimmune system essentially doing things my understanding and i'm not a doctor but from what they explained it to me it's like going in thinking it's fixing something that it's not. So on the psoriasis mm-hmm. side, it's like going to a particular part of your skin and just like overworking. And so I can't remember the stats, but it's something like we shed our skin every 21 days or every couple months. It's somewhere around there, right? Well, it's accelerating that process like tenfold or something. So what happens is you end up with oh, wow. this redness, um, you know, and like flaky skin, because it's sort of creating skin over skin over skin. And it's that's what creates the inflammation. It's just like constantly trying mm. to work in a place that it probably should just chill out on, you know, but your immune system's like, oh, I got to keep working. Mm. I gotta keep working, which creates the inflammation. And the same thing with um, arthritis. It's like, there's two different types of arthritis, right? There's like the wear and tear joints you get when you're older and your joints just get sore. But then there's like the autoimmune type, which I have, which is basically like your immune system goes in and goes, oh, I got to fix this joint. And of course, it 
doing way more work than it should, which creates more inflammation. Yeah, man, like autoimmune stuff is so is just so. It's just so mind blowing to to think about it. Like, I, I mean, just recently we got into a story about a woman who was like in in she was she was locked away in her brain for twenty years, like could not communicate. She she was uh, what's the word for it? Um, catatonic. Mm. So like you know she she could like walk and move and and but like the, but she had to be walked. She had to like be guided and she would sit and she couldn't eat. They had to feed her and like she was just stay just kind of staring off into blank space. And they were like, oh, this was schizophrenia. Like, this all stemmed from schizophrenia 20 years ago. Um, and one doctor was like, that's kind of odd. <laughs> Let's look into that. And they looked into it, and they found out she had an autoimmune disorder. She had lupus. But the lupus, which typically affects, like, different parts of your body, was affecting her brain. And they were like, wow, we've never seen this before. And so they started treating her lupus. And by treating her lupus, took her out of this catatonic state. Like, she awoke from a fucking 20 year like days, which is so like, it's just, and again, it all just stems back to the fact that like, I feel like when I, when I think about autoimmune disorders, I don't know if this is true or not, but when I think about autoimmune disorders, I look at it kind of from the same kind of vantage point as the way that we look at the brain where we go, we don't like, we know some, but we really, there's a lot we Mm. don't understand about how they, how they work. Now, when it comes to ITP, not ICP, um, Let's get into how that kind of came into the picture for you. Because again, I know that this is very recent, but some of the stuff that I heard you say about your experience, like it, it's, I mean, it's really harrowing. Um, so at what point did, you know, did you start to notice some like weird shit going on? Did, did it start with like a rash? Did it start with like random bruising or were you just like bleeding out of your eyeballs and going Fuck, yeah, it's, I gotta it's, talk to someone it's, about it's, this? It's interesting because when you have psoriatic arthritis, you get used to your skin doing weird things. So, right. you know, you get used to like sometimes it looks like you have a rash, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it appears in the places that it disappears and appears in other places. So, considering that's been like that for I don't know twenty years, ten years, whatever it's been, fifteen years or something. Um, you don't, <laughs> I got used to just being like, ah, oh, that's another weird thing happening. Um, so I looked yeah. down at my legs and I was like, oh, that's a weird rash, probably psoriasis, maybe not. I don't know. You just kind of, it's almost like you become apathetic to everything. You know, you feel sore one day and you're like, did I work out? No. Was I on my feet all day? Is it arthritis? Yeah. Who knows? Same thing with the skin. Like, oh, there's a rash or something. Is it, I, who knows? You just get used to kind of always thinking yeah. that like, Eh, it'll go away. So I look. I feel like I feel like I, I feel like I have that too. Like I feel like a lot of people who have any kind of chronic illness just go, like you know, I'm like what you're saying. Like like I've got a rash. I might go. I guess it's my. I guess it's my CF. I feel like which has nothing to do. Like <laughs> rashes have nothing to do with CF. But I go. Oh, yeah. CF's I feel enough, like I that in the inverse because I've had so few like health problems. That like if you get a rash, you go, well, I guess I'm dying. No, no, no. I go, oh, well, it'll go away. Oh, because right. like yes, because right, I've right. it's like because because <laughs> it's like you're basing off the assumption yeah, yeah, that you're yeah, going like yeah. with you, James. You're going well. It's it's been this, so yeah. it probably is that. And I'm going well. It's been nothing, so it's probably nothing. Right. When I get weird things like that, I'm I'm more like what Jared just said. Like, oh, this is I like my mole 
looks weird, it's cancer. Right. For yeah, sure. yeah. 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 I guess, for sure. I guess, yeah. I guess in our camp, it could really just go either way. Okay. Sorry. I cut you off, but, but yes, no I, I, so I, I get what you're I saying. I looked out of my legs and I go, wow, this like rash is kind of weird, but whatever. And so within, I don't know if it was like the next day or was the night when I was going to bed. I can't remember exactly, but this was like in March. The next day I look and I was like, wow, I have these black dots in my mouth. That's kind of strange Ooh. as well. So now I have this like this rash on my leg and the black dots on my still though. I don't know, canker sore or like psoriasis. Like who knows, right? You're just kind of like, ah. so I Google it and I'll tell you. On, where your in your lips mouth? Or, like, like on the tongue, tongue or, or like on under cheek. the lips? Like where Mostly in the mouth? It starts on, your, on my cheeks mm. and then it was kind of like under my tongue and on my lips. Oh, wow. It sounds really gross. But the crazy thing is, is this. I thought this was crazy. In the morning, I noticed them, and I was like, huh, wow, I'll Google this. And everyone says, don't Google anything, right? You're like, but I'm curious. And I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of know enough to be like, because of the psoriatic arthritis as well, you get used to like reading things and go like, that's sensationalized. Or, But I was like, I got to get some sort of info. It's probably the only thing I've ever Googled when health that just basically was like, it'll go away. It's probably not that bad. And I was like, how is this possible? Like, there's black dots. <laughs> <in my mouth. laughs> yeah. Everything is everything is guaranteed death, yeah. Yeah. except yeah. for black dots in the, the mouth. Make note. I read about that was like not you're not going to die, and even then, because it was even like here's pictures of cancer in your mouth, and it's like all these things don't look like that. So and they don't hurt. So when they don't hurt and it's just there, it's like oh you, you probably have low platelets that can happen, but like it generally goes away for most people, and it was really like kind of benign and like mm. the first time I ever read about this weird thing that I've never experienced that wasn't going to kill me. And there was no, like, you better go to the doctor right away. So I left it in the morning. I was like, strange. I wonder, but I did read something about low platelets. And then next thing you know, I'm sitting on my couch that night and I look down and the rash has gotten significantly worse on my legs within like the whole day. And my mouth isn't getting better. And I go, huh, I better dial up the maple app because it's at night and I'm not going to talk to my doctor, mm. obviously, and I'm not going to rush to a clinic. They'll probably have some insight. I took a picture for of my people mouth. who are, are not familiar with maple for people who are not familiar with maple. What what is that? It's a it's well, like, it's a, like, an it's like a app sort of like walk in clinic. Yeah. Online. Right. So you kind of pay a little bit of money if you have a family doctor. I think it's free in Nova Scotia. Maybe if you don't have a family doctor. But for me, I was like, yeah, it is. it's yeah. worth it to pay something because I'm this is weird. Right. It's just so I, I go to do that. And the doc, you have to take photos of whatever's wrong with you before they see you. And you just I get this notification like your your thing's canceled and it comes with a doctor's note. Like you need to get to the emergency room right away. I have no idea what's going on. with no. you, And they're like. Could be monkeypox or whatever, but I knew it wasn't because he's looking at this picture of this oh, wow. black stuff. But I knew that like all these other symptoms of like anything <laughs> like that would hurt a lot, and this didn't right. hurt. I it feel like I feel like, like the photo. I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like the photo he got was like you know when you Google any fucking photo on Google, like Google images well, yeah, of any medical photo. If the lighting's off, it's fucking it, like it, it kind of looks like it looks like a little more rotten than like normal. Like, doesn't matter what you're looking up, you go, yeah. Ugh. Is that HDR? Sort <laughs> yeah, of, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, to it. so you so you upload the photo and then it and then there you like that's kind of that was that scary? Well, like, was that yeah, like, like were you, were you like, offended? I, well, I was just like, uh uh, this is bad. So I 
you know, go to the emergency room, obviously, because he's like, you got to go right now. Like, I don't know what it is. Basically, he said, I don't know what it is. It could be this or that, but I have no idea. And I get to the emergency room and the nurses are like, I was like, I showed them my leg. I showed them my mouth. And even the intake nurse is like, we don't know. Like, this is something we don't see. And uh, mm. what happened was, is she's like, you got to stay here and wait it out. But I was like, well, I don't feel sick. I don't, I don't feel, I don't, I'm not hurting. My mouth doesn't hurt. This is weird. Um, but there, it's just there. And she, and like an hour and a half goes by and she's like, I go to talk to her again. And she's like, look, you got to stay. Like, there's something wrong with you. And she thinks I'm trying to like angle to leave the emergency room. Cause I'm getting tired of waiting. And she's just, ple- she's like kind of going like, look, you got to stay. You got to stay. And the next thing I know, I look down and I was like, oh, my shin is bleeding and it won't stop bleeding. Like, it, like I cut, like basically I scratched myself, right? It's a little scratch from it being itchy. And I talked to her and I was like, look, my, I think I've, my, my shin's been bleeding slowly for like an hour. And then she was like, okay, these red dots, your blood's not clotting basically, right? Like, so it kind of starts to reveal like, right. we're pretty sure something's wrong because these red dots can be a rash, but they're also can be indicative of other things, which is including like this kind of blood problem where like they show up because your blood's like bleeding under your skin or something, or basically it's the first sign of ITP because it's just like, it's like not a rash. It's like showing your blood vessels or whatever it is. So, so when it wouldn't stop bleeding, that was an indication that something's really wrong because it's been like an hour of this slow little cut that just won't stop. Um, so like did not belabor sort of the, the story. What happened was I end up getting my blood tested. They test me for everything, including lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Cause I have psoriatic arthritis and they're trying to figure out, is there a cause of mm. this thing that's happening? And, uh, I'll sort of fast forward a bit. So a couple hours go by and the nurse is like, after the blood test, I'm just sitting there and they're like, okay, you got to come into this room. And they throw me into like one of the rooms with all the equipment in it and they just start taking things and start putting them on me and they're like sitting this thing and it feels like like you're about to die like like no one's explained to me and the nurse goes like there are like three of them getting me set up to be monitored and she looks at me and goes do you not know why you're in here and i was like no they didn't tell me yet and she's like uh and then goes and gets the doctor and at that point i'm like what's happening with oh, wow. like, am I going to die? Like, like this is all of a sudden it starts going into like really quick and there's like three nurses and they're all yeah, putting yeah. stuff on me. You're just like, are they going to put me down? Yeah. <laughs> it's like out of nowhere. <laughs> well, the doctor comes in and he's just like, okay, here's the deal. You have no platelets. Like an average person has like, whatever is measured by it's like parts per million or parts per thousands, whatever that number is. They're like, sure. it's supposed to be measured between 150 and 300 for a normal person. And he's like, here's the deal. Yours less than zero. So you have none Whoa. right now. And so he's like, and your blood work came back for everything else. Lupus, rheumatoid factor, you know, everything you could test for. Like this is going to be a thing of leukemia all the way to AIDS. Like all this stuff can cause your blood to do this. And they're like, you're right. also fine. So you have no disease. You have Whoa. this thing. And so, and it's an emergency room doctor, right? And the, they're not used to seeing this stuff because it's very rare. And it would get caught sure. before someone ends up in the emergency room. So they're just like looking at me like, you have none. You can't go anywhere. If you fall, your blood, your brain could hemorrhage and die. You literally can't stop bleeding if anything happens. 
holy shit wow we need to help you we need to keep you in to check check you out so they put me in overnight and then they put me in this crazy room where they hook me up to all this stuff and then right away they're like uh we need this room for someone else who's worse than you so then i just end up in the hallway which is fine whatever i didn't mind it was actually quite comfortable and a person i know ended up being the resident doctor which is really funny so in the middle of the night they're like going through all this stuff and they basically test me and they go well don't fall off this bed because you could like basically hemorrhage and die. You don't feel sick. There's nothing you feel wrong with you. Um, you have no playlists and there's nothing else problem with you. So we just wow. got to wait. Like, but man, we assure you there yeah. is something wait, very wrong. Wait, 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 I, I, feel wait, like, wait. I feel like when someone tells you, like if someone was like, all right, listen, sir, you have, you have less than zero platelets. If you fall, you will die. Like you'll, you'll just hemorrhage. You'll die. We'd like, just don't fall. Oh, by the way, don't fall off this bed. Yeah. If, if someone told me that and said, don't fall off this bed, prior to them saying, don't fall off this bed, I know I'm not going to fall off the bed and I wouldn't be worried about falling right. off the bed. But then they tell you, don't fall off the bed. Uh-oh. I would then all of a sudden be like, fuck. Maybe I'm like, going to What if I go to sleep? Am yeah. I going to roll off? Like, you I don't know what's on the bed. Like, what the fuck? I would, I would be sleeping on the floor at that point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, exactly. J- James, I'm, I'm curious. Like, th- I mean, this is this is crazy. It's I, wild. I, 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 it's hard to imagine being in that situation. I'm curious, though, like, at that point, What's going through your mind? Like, how do you feel in that? Well, moment? you know what's weird about it is that the moment when I was thrown in the room where I didn't know what was wrong with me, all of a sudden my like stomach sank and I was like, uh, am I gonna die? Right. That was the first thing. Like, I don't know what's going on. Once they explained to me what was going on, and I was like, Well, I don't feel sick. And they're like, Well, you're you don't have any other diseases that are causing this as like a byproduct of that disease. So we need to do more tests and like check you out, but like we're not sure what's going on, but it's probably this. And just know that like you were tested for like hep B, hep C, AIDS. Like we've gone through all the things like, like anything that like any indicators of any of those things you don't have. So that, that was pretty good because when you've gone through psoriatic arthritis before you start to get used to like, Oh, an autoimmune thing that I understand. Like I can get the autoimmune thing to a point, you know, it was kind of an up and down mind kind of, like you're kind of like whoa this is crazy but also i could calm myself down a bit because it was like okay that's a good thing to know overnight and then they're basically like we don't see this ever so the people in the emergency room are also kind of like this is crazy she showed me on the screen (laughs) literally on my like chart it had a less than symbol so it wasn't like your 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 zero playlist it was less than zero you have have minus three platelets it was like you have these you have a new type of cell that is actively pushing blood out of there is dark matter in your veins are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice it's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. I mean, the thing that blows my mind about that, like, so someone who has less than zero platelets. Yeah, it's like the 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 part that the part that's so crazy about that is that you don't feel it. No, no, I'm, I'm like you don't fine. even know. I'm sitting there like guys, I'm not sick and they're like, "Yeah, they're like you yeah. don't feel anything." And they would ask me like 
what about this? What about that? And I was like, you got to understand, like, I don't feel sick. In fact, I feel pretty good. Um, yeah. I feel like going for a run and, and throwing my body <laughs> yeah. around. Well, I mean, when you're in the, when you're in the emergency room <laughs> or you're at the hospital, any, any hospital, and you show up with something that nobody ever sees before, yeah. I mean, all those doctors, bless their hearts, a lot of them are there because they want to do good, but a lot of them are there because they're just super fucking interested in why people get sick. Yeah. So when you go in and you go... Psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you go, hey, look, there's so somebody you here. You would have been a good doctor. I know. <laughs> I was like, hey, there's somebody here that... Uh, has this thing that nobody in this hospital has probably seen before. Like everybody's going, Oh, oh I want to oh, come in. Yeah. And see. Oh, yeah. what's, uh, oh, like, what's Stick going this on? in his <laughs> ass. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. That's like when, <laughs> when you're telling the story about getting hooked up to the equipment, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking of you going, what's going on? Why are they hooking me up to the equipment? Well, let's give them nipple, nipple clamps. I feel like that'll help. And they're going, I don't know. We're just, <laughs> yeah. we're just, we just want to be here. Beaming them yeah. with stuff to see what happens. Yeah. Well, they're, they're yeah. start, like they're basically, we're trying to be like, we obviously have to measure your vitals and make sure nothing goes crazy. But the other thing was, is like through this process over the next few months, like, and that night I got my blood pressure. I probably had my blood pressure taken like a thousand times, right? Like, it's just like, like they're constantly like, here's your heart rate. So then they're like, also your blood pressure is great. Your heart rate is great. Like, like basically there's nothing quite wrong with you right now at all, other than you have no Mm. platelets. And so what happens is the night goes by and they do some like, at the moment ultrasound just to really check around everything. And then they just basically make me wait there. And then in the morning they give me what's called IVIG, which is basically antibodies of a, a million, like, I don't know, thousands of people. It's like basically cells from a ton of different people and they put it through IV. My favorite thing. Like a shot of that. And, and that helps you spark. So you had to do that once and you had to wait 24 hours. Did you feel that? Like when you got that shot, were you like, oh, fought like Red Bull does give you wings? Well, no. The only thing I felt, so some people, I come to find out some people can't take it very well. Like they can't handle. So they'll have to like, they had to to figure out based on your weight. And I'm a bigger person. So they had to give me quite a bit. And so what happens is, is they have to do it over a period of time. And it's measured by like how many milliliters per hour or something. So they're going to ramp it up to get it into you. So I already have to take like two hours at the speed they want to put it in at the size I am and the amount they want to give me. What that means is, is that some people can only take it up to a certain speed and then they like get sick. Right. And if that happens, right. you basically have to take longer, right? Cause it can't go in you quickly. Now, uh, because of my weight, cause I'm overweight, what was interesting so you get through all this stuff, right? So the first thing I told you about, you're at the hospital. Then they're calculating how much they can give me and also how quick they can give it to me. And so the doctors that have, the, the nurses that have seen something like that have used IVIG before are looking at each other going like, well, this can't be right. They're like sitting oh, right. there going like, we can't <laughs> right, just right. pound him full of this at like yeah. 730 milliliters per hour. Like, And I was like, so, so at that point, I wasn't like, whatever. But then they're basically talking about how like, well, this... Like they're basically, like, well, I've never done this as fast. I've never put this much. So then I go through that whole thing where they're like, I guess we'll just follow the equation and they zap it into me. So the only thing you really feel with that is that sometimes when they ramp it up to the, cause they go slowly over like a period of like, you know, whatever it is over the period of a couple hours, they do ramp up the speed of it over time. Once they ramp it up to full speed, sometimes it feels cold a bit, but other than that, oh, I don't feel anything from it. Um, but some people do get really sick from it, I guess. Wow. But then I had to wait 24 hours and get it done again. So I had to be in the, the hospital for 24 hours. And then after that, they let me out because my platelets got to a manageable level. They got up to like 40 or 50 or something. Which is still pretty low, right? Like 
Well, a human can operate, like they can operate at you as long as your measurement at like 50 or 60. They can do like they can cut you open and operate. So as long as you're within that oh, range, okay, 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 you're good. Okay, right, right. An average person is right. 150 to 300, but as long as you're up to like 50, 60, then you're sort of in a range where you can live your life normally. Right. Like you could basically get cut and nothing happens. Um, they True. gave me dexamethasone. I go home. They test me after that. Four days later, I'm at like 130. Cool. And then within a Sweet. week and a half, the black dots come back. I go back to the emergency room. You're down to four again. So no. they like ramp me up. And then like a week and a half later, I'm right back down to like four. Wow. And so I go through the So this thing. is IPT, like right site just cycling back and just destroy yeah. it's is it is it just is it like specifically destroying your platelets yeah. or is it doing something else which has the effect on my the understanding is it's like just attacking your platelets that's why nothing else is wrong um and Ooh. so what's happening is is that the dexamethasone which is a steroid that shot it up with the ivig the ivig kind of tops you off now some people can last a month with ivig and then they have to go back i was back within like 10 days and I explained to them Ooh. that my second time around, I explained to them, like, I've been diagnosed with ITP. They go through the whole emergency room thing again. Of course, they test my blood this time, and then they screw it up in the lab. So they, someone didn't put my name on the right part, so they had to test it again. So I'm in the emergency room waiting around, going, like, I think I know what's going to happen. And sure enough, same thing happens. Stay overnight, put the IVIG in, stay there for another 24 hours, do a second round of IVIG. Fuck. The doctor comes in again, and she's like, you're up to 50 or 60, go home. But the dexamethasone didn't hold last time. So now we're going to put you on prednisone. And I was like, okay. And by the way, because of your, because of like how big you are, you got to take 100 milligrams of prednisone a day. So I go to Dude, the- which is so high. That so is high. so much prednisone. And then I go to the doctor, I go to the pharmacy. <clears throat> the pharmacy's like, uh, the pharmacist is basically like, I don't want to give you this because my sheets yeah. at the max is 80. Explain to me why you need 100. So I explained to him what happened. He's like, well, okay, <laughs> sure. So then they give me a hundred, but the problem <laughs> is it spikes again with the IVIG, but it's like even less than the dexamethasone because dexamethasone, they only give you for four days, but it's like six times stronger than prednisone. So all that's to say, I'm on a hundred milligrams of prednisone at this point. You can't get off of it really quickly because once you're on prednisone, you have to taper off and it's not holding yeah. my platelets at all. So Every time, with every like time I have to get blood tests. Now I'm getting blood tests twice a week. And within like 10 days of every IVIG uh, injection, my platelets drop again. You're at 10, you're at 14, you're at four. And so like I go through this cycle of like every two weeks, I start going to the inpatient clinic at the, at the hospital, not the emergency room, to get topped up with IVIG because the prednisone is not holding it any. And so I'm basically so just just topping up with with antibodies essentially at this point are you like is this going to be forever well so then my mind went through a bunch of like the first time it came back within 10 days i was pretty stressed and frustrated and like kind of scared you're like oh i was supposed to go to the hospital take the steroid take the ivig and it should hold a bit 10 days later this is kind of stressful now so then I was like, okay, I yeah. go back to the hospital, like calm down, I called a friend of mine. And my friend was like, you know, just work through it. Like you just get to So I got my head trying to calm down again. 
And then I get out and then you end up in this process of get blood tests every two weeks, go to get IVIG a couple times a month or whatever, mm. every 10 days, maybe whatever. And then it starts to feel like, okay, this is my life. Right. So, right. Yeah. you know, you're trying to do work in between it, but you're getting like, <laughs> I'll tell you the thing that to answer your question to getting blood tests twice a week felt so normal after you do it a couple of weeks in a row like for a month that you're basically like, doesn't it. everyone get it done twice a week? Like you just start to feel like, Oh, yeah, everyone yeah, must yeah, get yeah. it. Like it sort of feels normal. Yeah. You're I had to, like my started to normalize it. So you do start, I did start to think anyway, this is basically going to be for a while now because it's just nothing's yeah. helping. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious about like when the, the, the moment that somebody said, this is ITP and this is what we can tell you about ITP. Like, you know, was that was that during the period of time where they brought you in to like kind of jack up your platelets after that first 24 hours in the ER or like like who was the person that went I know what this is and this is how we have oh, to the, this so, is the game plan going forward Well yeah so this is interesting too like the the I the idiopathic and ITP means like basically we don't know what's causing it right so it's almost uh -huh. to my understanding, and I could be wrong, maybe a hematologist could correct me, but my understanding is it's sort of like a, a disease based on elimination. So like we can't connect it to another disease. If this is happening to you, therefore, by definition, it's ITP. Like it's not like uh. this is ITP. It's like you have your platelets are dropping too quickly. Uh, we don't know why it's happening that's itp so it's basically by definition uh, okay. it becomes itp pretty instantly when they're like you don't have another disease this is what it is because that's the only way it's like a definition for something that doesn't have a definition well, it's sort of it's right. just kind of like it just Which, means that your immune system's killing your platelets it's not it's not like they just basically define it that way so that you get the diagnosis pretty quick um yeah come to find out that like doing research on it, a lot of people last for like a month like i said and then they drop I was dropping like every 10 days. So every 14 days, whatever it was within that. And so my doctors got kind of perplexed. The nurses that the nurses in the outpatient can that deal with it. They were getting kind of like, you know, you have no platelets. Like you got to be careful every time I go in. And I was like, yes, I know I yeah. have no platelets. Yes. I know I need to be careful. Um, like it just became a thing where they're just like, wow, this is crazy. You're like dropping really quick. So not only is it a rare disease, but it was sort of like a rare example of a rare version disease, of right? the rare mm -hmm. yeah like when you Jesus when Christ. you so you, like besides the i mean that just sounds exhausting i know you said that you kind of it, it sort of became a routine and you got used to it but i mean that's it that's on the hospital side like on the treatment side that's very heavy and like obviously takes away from it is yeah it's, it's of, stressful um, too it didn't get life. it didn't get easy yeah it didn't get easy but right, it was yeah, you just kind of like impact. yeah you you get accustomed i guess to it but like did you on the on the topic of them being like, you gotta be careful, don't fall, like blah blah. blah. Like, were did you, you know, did that have like a, a, did that have any like you know negative mental health impact where you're like where you become you know very like over like like overly cautious like Jer said you know I, I wasn't thinking about falling off the bed until you until you said it. Um, I know I wouldn't like, be cutting that, cutting vegetables with a sharp knife anymore yeah, if that was like, my situation. Like, like you know, <laughs> wearing a helmet when you take your dog for a walk. Or something yeah, like, yeah that. like how did that? How did that advice or how did that, that those cautionary things affect you? Well, so I'll tell you, um, my my hematologist. So like that's the doctor that deals with blood, right? Um, 
the nurses are all like kind of stressed out about it. Other doctors are kind of like, oh, this is crazy. She, I think, knew that it was complicated, but also knew there's no point in getting you stressed. That she was kind of like, look, you're as long as you're above four, 50 or 60, you're really good. As long as you're above 10, you're pretty good. Under 10 is dangerous. So we're going to test you twice a week. If you drop below 10 mm. or drop below like 30, we're going to bring you in for IVIG. But I'm going to like monitor, we're monitoring this twice a week. And that department, unreal to deal with. Like they are on it, right. like on it, on it. So anytime I play this with nice. drop, they're like you got to go in and do this. They tech, they, they're they're like, they're so good at what they do as far as like monitoring me that she kind of gave me the, the, the deal. Like, look, live your life. But like, don't, you know, when you're this low, just be careful. But she wasn't like scaring me to not do anything. She was basically like, you're okay. Just, you know, don't do anything that's going to cause you to like get hurt really bad if you're under 10. And so that really helped because Mm -hmm. she's really, really cool. She's just like, so chill about kind of like we're gonna figure this out it's all good come to find out like after we you know fast forward a bit after like they got got it kind of under control because it does get under control by like uh march april may june so like probably three months into this it starts getting under control she's like you're the most complicated case i've ever had but she doesn't tell me that at the first (laughs) right she's not like you know but once we got it under control she was like you're very complicated but she was really great with just like is it Dr. Keating? No, my chance? doctor is Dr. Kelly. And she's like, she's awesome because she's just so, you know, she, she's just not, she's not scaring me or anything like that. So, yeah. So that was good. And so, guys, yeah. I was just thinking, I was, I'm curious if there's any, any way to develop or if they have made wearable platelet monitors. Mm. And if they haven't, let's, uh, let's That's make a, one, guys. Well, I mean, the, like the problem is, is that like it, it's so rare. It's something like, one in 10,000 people or three in 30,000 people have it. So I think if you do right. the math, like that's only like 30 to 50 or 60 people in our community have ITP, right? Like it's right. sort of the level. So right. we had all of those 60 people pay $180,000 per <laughs> unit. The insurance companies will pay for it. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, we, we can, we can, we can get, fucking make them. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of red tape in this yeah. industry, but uh, it's possible, uh, right? So James, so, so I mean, like this story is wild already. But here's the here's the part that's really interesting. The day before yesterday, I was out for a walk and I run into James, and I was like, "Hey, uh, looking forward to recording with you soon." And he was like, "Dude, this shit just keeps getting crazier." Uh, so give us like the, give us the sort of update on what's going on now. Yeah. So to, to give you sort of a, what happens is is like to to get you to where I am now, in the middle of all this. I'm waiting for a drug to be approved to be paid for for me called Revelator. The, oh, the scientific name is right. Altrombapeg. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's the funniest drug Altrombapeg. Name ever drug heard. names are always just a hoot. The company that makes Altrombapeg in Canada, like that sells it in Canada, they have a whole system of how to get it to you through like, if you're bad enough, you'll get it even if your insurance company isn't ready to pay for it. Yeah, like I basically checked all the criteria because I would drop so quickly, right? So they're like, go through the process of vetting me to make sure I can get it. And then they're basically like, here you go, take it for free on, they call it compassionary grounds. So they're just like, you need this yeah. to live. So here it is. We'll go after your drug insurance company. So the drug insurance company agrees to pay for it. So they're paying like 80% of the bill and then they're covering the rest. So I don't pay anything for it. 
Um, I think partly because I check all these boxes of someone who like drops quickly. Two weeks into this thing, I'm taking the medication, it's working, and then it stops working. So, so two weeks after I start that medication, it drops again. That's when my doctor was really like, she's like, kind of like at that point, like, oh boy. Like, you know, you were working now, you're not. Now we've really got this kind of weird situation. That that's when that's where I think it got really complicated for her because they're like, we gotta get you to Revelate. The Revelate starts working. Great, we're on the right track. Now it's not working. Oh, now we're really worried. So they up my dose. Next thing I know, it's working again. Okay. It's working, it's working. And then at the oh end of goodness. July. I go to get my blood tested and they call me and they're like, you're at 500. And it's like, <laughs> it's working too what? well. <laughs> like you're at, I'm at like, and I joked about this with her. She's like, you know, the one thing about this drug is that it can push you up so high. You could get blood clots because it gets too much. And I was like, <laughs> huh? So then, and I never thought that would happen. Right. Cause my case crazy that i was like it dropping every 10 days there's no way like there's just no way when it didn't work the first two weeks so then as it starts working i'm coming off prednisone but i can only come off 10 milligrams a day per week so it's like 90 milligrams for a week 80 milligrams for a week, 7 milligrams for a week 60 milligrams for a week right so that's how it has to Jeez, taper down so crazy so i'm at like something like i don't know 20 milligrams 40 milligrams a week and my platelets are like going way up. So I go through this thing where like I end up back in the emergency room because I'm super sick one morning and I'm coming off the prednisone. They still don't know what caused it. They think it could be a couple different things based on like they figured out that like I might have golf. So it's going to have all this stuff. The problem is, is that like I always was like, I don't get why I got so sick, but I was like so sick, but it was so weird. Maybe it's coincidental Maybe it's not, but it's almost like at the end of July when I got really sick and I was like, you know, puking or whatever. Next thing you know, the the two days after that, I start feeling way better because the prednisone coming off the prednisone made me feel sick. But then all of a sudden it felt like I kind of like right. got over that. My, my platelets go really high and it was almost like someone hit the reset button on my body or something. And they just like expelled all the crap and it's like, bam, now you're better. So then after that, I got off the prednisone and all through the month of August, it's like, you're at 500. Okay. You dropped to 350. Okay. Now this week you're back up to 400. So I had to stop taking the medication at the end of July because I'm too high. And Whoa. now up towards like last week, I was still maintaining 400. So we're waiting now to see wow. what happens. Even though you're off. So I'm off the medication. I'm getting blood tests every two weeks. And like my doctor called me last week and she's like, Oh, this is crazy. And like, maybe you're in remission. Who knows? This is like the problem with ITP is it can go up and down, but I basically am in a situation now where all good right now. I can't like, I have to. And sorry if I missed this. So, but, but, but like, but the, is there, is there a prevailing theory that this is autoimmune? Maybe you said this earlier that like it all has to do with an auto, like the guess is that it's an autoimmune I guess thing. so, because I guess they say like the only thing that would attack your playlist, I think, is your immune system, right? So they're basically your, your call it autoimmune, yeah. but they don't know anything yeah. about it and why it's caused. There's so few people that have it. It's hard. That's why the Altrombopeg or the Revelate is so expensive is because it's basically yeah. like no one needs it, but the people that do need it really need it. So it's just like they a rare disease. Um so yeah, that's kind of the. These, these are, <clears throat> those are the best 
words yeah. ever yeah. said together. El Trombopeg and Revelade. Like those are yeah. the cool. Yeah. Are those not the coolest names? Yeah, they are pretty sick names ever. When you go to the ER, are they just like like when you walk into the ER, are they just like hello, hi, James? Well, no, like, like I, are you? I was there like, twice in a row, and then like I did see the same nurses the second time I was in, and he like they were kind of like, oh, we know about you, but. I mean, they see so much shit every day that I think they're just like, yeah. you just become another another person that's sick, right? The, the emergency room is, uh, obviously they know a lot about a little, they know a lot about, they know a little bit about a lot of things, right? So the person yeah. that really diagnosed me was whoever the hematologist was on call that night at the hospital, right? Like they just, they, they yeah. saw my bell work, they called the hematologist and like, what's up with this guy? Because they had never dealt with it before. So like, they just basically like, I become this like weird uh, number to them. Like some person that's like has no platelets, yeah. but you know, they do remember like some of the people do remember me when I was back a couple of times, but uh, for the most part, I think they see so much crap, but the, the day clinic people, they really get to know you right. When you're getting IVIG every yeah, like 10, 14 totally. days. And so the charge nurse that's in charge of like booking these things, like, I'd see her in the hall and I'd be like, Oh, actually I'm like this. They're like, okay, why don't we like, I would talk to them directly about like canceling the next appointment. If my platelets were holding versus like, should she call back or now I'm on Revelate. So I like, they got, you get really, you know, you get to know them really well, really quick. Mm. I I feel like uh, this is a bit of a cliffhanger, you know, like ending with totally. platelets at, yeah. at, at yeah. 400. Like, I think we're gonna have to do a, a follow up episode in a yeah. few months. Well, yeah, just I mean, maybe like a quick uh, feel good Friday started. update and find out what's going on. Well, it's just gonna be interesting because it it does go into remission, right? Like the problem with it is it can be a really finicky thing where they just have to like yeah. check my blood. So they'll do another blood test tomorrow. If it's still high tomorrow, then we might go to monthly or we might just sort of stick it to a couple of weeks for a bit just to see. But um, yeah, it could. They say it could like come back. Once it starts, they never rule out that you're like not going to have it again. I guess it gets really, really finicky and really, really unpredictable. Yeah, Man, yeah. I mean, from what I read, it's like you know you can go into remission and it could never come back again, or it will come back again in a month or in six years or five, like it's just so well, that's autoimmune shit. It's just like, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. A, it's such a I mean, at what, what point does remission become remission? You know, like I think my doctor like, was saying, like, I think if we go another couple of weeks and my counts are still high, then I think she's basically going to knock it down to like monthly blood tests where at that point they feel right. pretty good about it. Um, right. That's where I think it's at right now. Is it's sort of close to saying it's kind of like in remission, I think, if I understand it correctly. Um, yeah. It's interesting, though, because I, I will say, too, like the byproduct of this, your note feels sick. The prednisone makes you feel worse than the disease ever did. Right. So that's the first thing, which is kind of the crazy thing about it, because there's so many side effects with that, especially being on such a high dose. But the other thing that's crazy about it is that you don't feel that sick, but you can't leave town. So, like, you know, you don't want to yeah. be in another city yeah. and have your platelets drop because then you're in their emergency room and you're trying to explain to them all this stuff. So. That was the other thing, like from March to like July, I was really cautious to just never leave because you're getting blood tests yeah, twice yeah, a week. And yeah. so you end up in this weird situation where you don't feel sick, but you can't go anywhere. You're sort of constantly being checked. So it's this really weird uh, spot to be in kind of because you, you, you don't really notice it. You just know that your platelets are low. But other than that, it's kind of chill. Yeah. So. 
that was weird too. What would, what would you say? What would you say is the biggest thing that your experience with ITP thus far has taken away from you? I think it's that ability. To, like I think because because my case was so unpredictable and so dropped so quickly that it was the ability to just like be able to move around, like be able to just like do what you want and also leave town. Like I wouldn't even, you know, you just, you don't want to get away. You don't want to go far away from where the IVIG is, where, you know, they need you, especially if you're getting blood tests every two weeks, every two days or every getting blood tests twice a week. So the biggest thing it took away was just that ability to like maneuver. And it basically getting blood tests twice a week for like, four months, three months, you basically, that becomes a lot of your life. Like your life is sort of like go yeah. in there, get IVIG. Around going in. You can't really do much else, which I'm sure like people with worse diseases have to do with this stuff as well. It's, you know, I think the weird thing was, is doing it while you don't feel sick, you know? Yeah. Mm. I think that, I think, I think that's a great point to make. And on the broader, on the broader spectrum of, of like why that, like, obviously, that is more of an issue for one person as it might be for another. And, like, but so many people, just like, and this is like, this is just like a broader commentary on like the healthcare system in general, is that like when you are somebody who has something that takes so much of your time to, in, away from being able to, like, whether it's being with family or working your job or whatever it is, like, that is a significant block of time that you cannot use for the things yeah. that yeah. you would be doing if you didn't have to. Especially all throughout the summer, you know? I mean, and yeah. so on the broad, <laughs> yeah. And, and so like on the broader healthcare spectrum is like the support mm. of the support that people who have to do those things mm. get mm -hmm. from whether it's like government programs or, yeah. or the healthcare system in order to alleviate the, the negative consequences that come along with having to devote so much of your time to taking care of yourself. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest thing that ITP has given you? Uh, it really, it, it, I mean, a couple of things. It gave me perspective into the healthcare system in a way that we talk a lot about how broken it is. And it, it definitely is super broken. Like, when I was in the emergency room and they like the second time and they like took my blood and then they're like, we got to take your blood again. Cause either someone put the wrong label on or they just, the, 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 the lab disagreed with the way the nurses did. So there, whatever it was, you could see how fast everything was moving. When you're sitting in the, when you're sitting in the hallway, you realize like, wow, our, our system needs a lot of work. There's no question. But the other insight it gave me is like how awesome the, like the nurses are how well organized they were like that department mm. was just like, it's been such an insight into like, yeah, our system's broken, but Oh my God, the hematology department, at least in Halifax, unreal. So it gives you, I think it gives you like faith that the system is also like not completely destroyed and that there's like potential there. So that's been a really great takeaway. Mm. It's just like, there's a lot of people that care. There's a lot of people doing their job really well. And they're also like, despite all that stuff, like I do my blood work, they get it within like an hour and a half at the lab. It's it's like done in the system. And they call me that day when they're low. Like they are like so on it. It's been amazing. So that's been really insightful as far as like, I think like, you know, the, the hope and like the amazingness of like how great the system can be for someone who is sick like me, because like, 
I never thought that it would just be, they'd make it as easy as it could be, you know? So that was really great. That's, I think that's an interesting takeaway against the fact that the the broken hospital system is like really tough. So that's been one positive takeaway. And then the other thing is it gives you insight into like health in general. Like it really makes you want, it made me really want to say like, okay, this is crazy, but like, it really makes me think about how like, I just should probably work to be healthier anyway, because the next time something like this happens, mm. you know, maybe I won't be as healthier. Maybe my blood, if my blood pressure was high or, you know, I had, you know, uh, uh, you know, diabetes or something like that would have really changed the outlook of potentially how this would have worked. So it's really given me some great insight into like life and how to like really approach life maybe differently and work towards having some perspective on like how important health is. And you go through these things. And then afterwards you sort of start thinking about, man, I need to really like work to be like a better all around person for myself you know because if this would have happened and i yeah. was more sick who knows what would have happened so that's been some great mm-hmm. insight as well i think well james man i gotta say it's a it's a wild story and like you know picking up on bits and pieces of it um while we run into each other walking our dogs is one thing but to sit down and like get an hour to to really dive into the the details of it all i mean it's just it's a wild experience crazy and you know what's what's interesting actually is um, I was uh, uh, last week I was speaking at Wilf- Wilford Laurier University in Waterloo, and um, after my talk, um, a young man, like an eighteen-year-old kid uh, who's starting his first year of university, came up to me and and in my talk, I, I you know I, I talked about Sick Boy, the podcast, and what we do, and he came up and he he very emotionally uh, came up and had a conversation with me about how he's struggling with the fact that he is currently dealing with ITP. And when he said ITP, I was like, oh, fuck, I know what this is, kind of. My, my buddy James got it, and he's, you know, he's going to be on the podcast soon. So uh, to, that, to that young gentleman, who I, I, I have a feeling is listening to this episode right now, if you're listening to this and you're hearing James's experience, I hope that this gives you a semblance of feeling as though there is going to be eventually light at the end of that tunnel, because... Although this is a thing that can come and go and maybe can continue on, it's also one of those things that you, you really don't know. I mean, this, this could be it for you, James. Like, you, you, could, have, you could be beyond this now. Um, and maybe it'll come back, who knows, but right now, things are good. And so I think, uh, you know, to hear your experience with it, James, and to see that, like, you can come, you can go through that shitstorm that you've been through over the last few months... And then come out on the other end where you are now. And I mean, you know, seemingly over this conversation, seemingly you, you're you kind of handling it really well. Um, and I think that that's a really like beautiful and positive thing. And I hope that kid that's listening right now takes something from that. So thank you, James, so much for taking time into your schedule to be here with us. This has been super fun. And like Brian said, keep us posted. If anything changes... You know, we'd love to have you back on. Maybe as like a Feel Good Friday, a uh, little like segment update. or something, a little update. It'd be very fun. Yeah, well, look, uh, it's interesting you met someone because it's such a rare thing. Um, you know, right. I had never heard of it before, but I will say uh, the craziest thing about it, and I can see why he would be emotional, especially if he just got diagnosed, is that you just don't you don't feel anything. You just know that it's happening, and and it's a 
it's one of these things that uh i'll definitely keep you updated uh because it, it to me it's like an interesting thing to learn about you know uh to be, go through something that's very rare it's also like wow that's crazy so i'll definitely keep you updated and yeah we'll see if i'm at the tail end of it or they have to start giving me medication to lower my platelets that'll be a whole other trip so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah Fingers yeah crossed. some some fucking rat poison or something <laughs> to drop the drop thin that blood out <laughs> uh well james thanks man this has been really fun thank you Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.